Welcome to the Future Construct Podcast. I am your host, Amy Peck. And today we are talking to Ryan McMahon, who is the General Manager, Manufacturing Informed Design at Autodesk. Welcome, Ryan. Uh, Thank you for having me. So before we dive into your day-to-day at Autodesk, how did you get into this business? And you know, was it was it you know a childhood dream? Is it family? How did how did you get started? You know, interesting. Um, I, you know, growing up wanted to be an engineer. And uh, so I spent my my youth trying to figure out how I could do that. When I went to university, I actually studied analog integrated circuit design. So I was going to design the next great guitar amplifier. That was my objective. Wow. Uh, and so um, when I graduated or when I was in school, I wound up working um, with this this group of people at the University of Washington, and they're making this crazy electric toothbrush thing. Um, and so I helped them build some prototypes, and I was pretty fun. And I went back to university and was graduating. I called them and asked them for a, a letter of recommendation. They're like, well, aren't you going to apply here? And I'm like, I didn't know you were a company, and I didn't know you were hiring. But so, yeah, I'll apply. Um and what that that company was is it it wound up being the Sonicare electric toothbrush. So I'm um, actually employee number two. I built the first prototypes. I worked on the clinical trials. I engineered the first commercial offerings. I built the first 200 myself, and then I scaled manufacturing to about 60,000 units a month while I was there. And and yeah, it's kind of weird. I love it. That's amazing. Yeah, I got a couple of patents. You know, it beeps every thirty seconds, thanks to me. Um, oh, I, I just, you know, I just got a new one because I travel with my old one, and I and I got like the latest, latest, latest. I mean, silly amount of money, but I was like, "Those are my teeth. That's worth it." It's no. ma- it's magical, Ryan. So thank it, you. It, I didn't it, know. I'm not. I'm not even. Ju- that is the word that I use. It is I, magical. It's cool. It. It's, it's really it's very cool. And 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 yet, you know, the thing that the product is cool. The the thing that was really interesting for me, it's like, wait a minute, we're building a product from nothing and we're building a company from nothing. This is kind of cool. I didn't know this was a career option for me. And I, this kind of you know, um, uh, sparked this entrepreneurial interest. It's like, wait a minute, I want to run my own company. Like, I want to be the CEO. I want to make this happen. Um, and so I decided that that's what I'm going to kind of figure out how to do. And, and so I needed to add a bunch of different skills um, to my toolbox to figure out how to do that. And so, you know, after five years, I left that organization. Uh, I went to work for one of our suppliers as an electrical engineer. I sold electronic components. So I sold memory and DSPs and, you know, all kinds of things to, you know, a bunch of different um, high-tech companies. Um, so I learned the, the practice of sales and sales management, and all those kinds of things and, and wonderful experience. So one of the things I learned is that I hate doing sales. Um, it's a, I mean, it's important, uh, but it's not really my passion. Um, from there, I went to grad school. Uh, I studied uh, entrepreneurship. Uh, I got my master's of business focused on entrepreneurship and marketing. Um, when I graduated, I did a bunch of different startups uh, here in the Portland, Oregon area. So I did um, uh, an electronic design automation startup. I joined them quite early. Uh, I did a digital music startup. We basically built iTunes three years before iTunes existed. So legal legal music downloads and catalogs. Uh, uh, Let's see. I did medical devices. I did. I founded a company that was doing 
uh, sensitive inf information sharing for first responders. That was after 9-11. Uh, I did IT compliance, high performance computing, mobile gaming, and uh, and that was enough startups for me. My kids got old enough. It's like I think I need a little more stability, <laughs> uh, which which led me to Autodesk. So what was really interesting is you know it's this weird full circle. You know at at uh, Sonicare we were using AutoCAD eight to design this product. Uh, and then I wind up at Autodesk. And I wind up working in a group that's 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 building tools for manufacturing, that's building tools for factory design. It was this crazy closed loop um, circle there. And so I did the manufacturing part of the world um, for about eight years here at Autodesk. And I got introduced to the industrialized construction group at Autodesk. Um, and you know, learning about the industry and what they're working towards and what are some of the challenges like, well, wait a minute, it seems pretty obvious here that you can borrow from manufacturing and get a lot of benefit in the construction world. If we can, you know, the bar isn't very high there. There's a bunch of stuff that we can do um, to improve productivity, to scale our processes, to get to, you know, lower waste. Um, so yeah, I'm bought in. I want to, I want to contribute to that. So I started working with that group. Um, a couple of years later, an opportunity opened up for me to join the group. So I leapt at it and uh, jumped right in and started working on on new solutions for industrialized construction. Uh, and about a year ago, our company decided to fund a larger effort to make some more investment in industrialized construction. And to, to you know, I think my team grew by almost 50%. Uh, all in, we're about 24 people working on, on new capabilities. So that's kind of how I got where I am uh, in the role that I am. That's amazing. And I saw that you were in Beaverton. There must be something in the water there because you're, you know, you're right in Nike's backyard. Like that is, it, it's just like a hotbed of creativity there. What are they doing over there? <laughs> I, 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 there's a, well, you know, we have Adidas is here and like, there's a lot of, uh, there's actually a lot of uh, entrepreneurial activity in, in the Beaverton area. Tektronics as a company was, was one of these companies, sort of a marquee uh, tech company and a ton of high tech companies spun out of that in the area. So it's, I don't know, it's, it's a cool place to be. Yeah, it is. It's, it's it's beautiful. I've been there uh, several times. So when you talk about you know your your title like manufacturing informed design, mm -hmm. uh, you know how how are companies leveraging it now? And and you know how you you know how are you optimizing the the process? Yeah, great question here. So first off, uh, we are early in the process. We have not uh, we don't have a commercial launch just yet. We're working on our capabilities. We have a hypothesis of the value that we're going to create, and we're we're working with our customers to have them use it and prove that and validate it for us. Um, the general notion is is that that um, I think Andrew Anagnos said this a couple of years ago in his keynote at AU. He said, look, we have the opportunity to change the way the AEC industry works by helping the design process, informing them, making design decisions informed by what's actually manufacturable. You know, if we are, if we we fundamentally flip the script on the way that we work, if we're designing with things that we know that we can make. Um, and it's like that. That was described what we were doing, but I'd never heard anybody articulate it like that. So we adopted that as a name for our group. Um, we are fundamentally trying to help our customers productize the things that they make a lot of. Uh, they, they can they can be all unique, but they follow this similar pattern. So they should be treated as if they are a product, not a one-off, an engineer for each unique instance. And there are things that are you know, many instances of them within the scope of a single project. But when you step back and actually make a lot of these things for many 
many different pro- building projects. So, you know, that if when you think about getting to scale, you know, I make a lot of these things. Why don't I treat them as if they are a, a product with allowable variation? Um, and how can I, when I do that, can I tell, uh, how do I share that information with an architect so that they are designing with things that are constrained by what I can actually make rather than, you know, loading a static model and going, that's close enough and then we'll figure it out downstream. We need to start with models that represent the things that we can make. Uh, and then we just kind of shortcut the, a lot of this downstream process for those things. Did. Is that is that clear? No, that, that's, it's fantastic. And I, you know, and, uh, you know, Autodesk kind of, you know, being the, the go-to for kind of 3D design and, and it's like a, you know, it's, it, it's a, it's going to be a low lift, I think, for, for companies to adopt this, this software and technology. The thing that, that I'm always confused by in the AEC industry is that you, it's, it's like you have these companies that are really pushing the envelope on you know the art of the possible and and building in all these efficiencies and using BIM and yeah. using a lot of technology, but then there's still there's that 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 faction that it's sort of if it ain't broke, don't fix it, right? And and so how do you see this type of software? Is it going to help bring some of those companies along and make it easier for them, especially because it's all absolutely, done, right? absolutely. So so. Pardon me. You know, one of the one of the great things about my role and, and the company that I work for is I get to meet with companies around the planet. And so uh, kind of looking at who's doing neat, new and cool things around the around the around the globe. And one of the things that we're starting to see is that many companies are looking to become more vertically integrated. You know, you know, we can't work in a way where the architect is is separate and distinct from the general contractor, separate and, and distinct from the AE firm, and then from the subcontractor because we're not sharing enough information. It, you know, we re-engineer everything; it's a manual process. By the time we have enough details and we share back, you know, we we've moved so far on that that it's just a, a, an untenable uh, workflow. Uh, and so verticalization is where these companies are saying that doesn't scale. So let's act as if we are a single organization. We might be separate organizations, but let's agree to share all of this information. Let's agree to a certain set of standards so that we can achieve this, this scale and, and, and move faster. Um, an example of this is, and, and part of that is just we, we want to move. We need to deliver more because there's more demand than we could supply. It's not about competing and winning business from our, our competitors. It's about you know fulfilling the, the demand that's out there. So in, for instance, in the Netherlands, um, they have a goal to add 100,000 new, new residences a year. And if you look at the top six uh, uh, general contractors that are working in this way in the country, um, they can in combine create about 3,000 uh, units a year each. You know, it's eighteen thousand here. You're, you have a shortfall of eighty-two thousand every single year, and so you know they're all looking at this and going, you know, it's not about winning their business. It's about how do I work more effectively so I can take my share of these 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 other projects. So people are recognizing it's in their interest to work this way, um, and so I, you know, that's independent of anything that we're doing. Yeah, and then we think that our our tools. Pardon me. Really unlock a lot of that potential. You know, my, my group is looking at how are we connecting this manufacturing portfolio with the AEC portfolio, so that you can leverage both of these tools, and so that streamlines a lot of processes that 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 are wildly disconnected today. 
Yeah. Yeah. So I, I, I want to un- unravel this a little bit more, but we're going to take a moment and hear from our sponsors and we will be back in just a moment. All right. Welcome back. We are with Ryan McMahon, the general manager of manufacturing and form design at Autodesk, uh, talking about, uh, you know, optimization, uh, both manufacturing, kind of bringing manufacturing the AC industry together. Um, you know, I personally do a lot, have, have a lot of focus on, you know, leveraging di- digital twin. Everyone talks about the metaverse and, you know, it, it, that that's really not the thing. I think I look at the metaverse for business as being digital twin. How are you seeing, uh, you know, the, the goal is obviously to get this sort of end-to-end uh, data sharing mechanism, optimization mechanism, but really uh, transparency between teams and factions. Uh, where does Digital Twin fall into that in your perspective? Yeah, yeah, great question. So Digital Twin and uh, XRVR are two significant areas that Autodesk is investing in because we see a very significant future for those capabilities. So, you know, depending on where you are in the hype cycle, we still believe that there there's a ton of business value that co- customers can get from them. You know, in terms of digital twin in in our world, um, you, you, because we have manufacturing and construction, there is digital twin of a product. You know, show me how I'm operating this this turbine uh, factory and uh, uh, for power generation and sensors and all that other stuff. Then there's also the sort of the operating or operator model of a building. Like, give me the as built digital twin of this, you know, can I put sensor data in it? Can I use that to understand how the building is operate, optimize how it's being operated um, and to, you know, do, uh, you know, uh, preventative maintenance kinds of things, because you can begin to track all of those kinds of activities. And and so those are really um, the the use cases that we think are, are pretty compelling, but um, you know, uh, how do you get there and how do you get this model built out is, is interesting because, you know, we would like to use the artifacts from the design process rather than starting from scratch after we do a handover. And I think that's one of the, the opportunities that Autodesk thinks that we can provide. You know, our, our digital twin group is uh, called the Tandem and it's on our website. You can go check that out. And they're doing amazing things um, with incredibly uh, detailed um, digital twins. So they can go from the site view all the way down to the bolts, nuts and washers view all in a browser-based kind of solution. And, and, while as a technical description, that's you know interesting, what's really Im- impactful is that now you can put this information in a ton of different people's hands so that they have the right information to make better decisions about how they're interacting with this building, how they're designing it, so on and so forth. So I, I think it's a-, a-, a bigger opportunity than just the, hey, you know, here's how we operate the building. No, I, I agree. And I think, you know, uh, I- again, it's this is some, I, pr- I probably talk about this too much on the on the podcast, but you know, we have the technology to actually build the, you know, create the as built while we're building the building. And, and, you know, my thesis, my thesis is that if you trigger a payment with it, <laughs> you, you will get people to comply and you'll get people to walk around with the, you know, there's like an $80,000 device with LIDAR, right? Beautiful visualization tools that, that I well, imagine will, you know, eventually plug into Autodesk software to, to 
What's interesting is that there's this convergence of, you know, if if uh, if I'm designing a building with a representation of what I know can be made, I have the fully detailed representation and I can generate a lo- lower level of detail representation and I can generate everything that I want. And I can put that in a building project. And so now manufacturing form design can help populate out the, the as built because, you know, you're already designing with these things. You have more complete information early on in the process. Then that all feeds itself into this digital twin as a data model effectively allowing you to share that much much more robustly with a broad number of stakeholders. Uh, and that, that also has the potential to be an environment or a data set that can be leveraged by the, the XR, VR world as well. So now these, these, these capabilities can all converge on a really compelling solution that, that really unlocks the power of all, all of these things. Yeah, and then you start to see the sort of end-to-end component, and then as as the de, you know it, you know the XR devices improve, I mean we're a long way away uh, from that, but as they improve, it's like you know you you've sort of built in the capability to have X-ray vision. You know? Got it. Absolutely. <laughs> we'll, we'll get there. We need our superpowers. So, <laughs> so, you know, uh, you know. I'm sure you have a, a, a you know, kind of a bird's eye view w- with all of your experience on, uh, you know, a lot of tangential technologies that are impacting the industry. Um, you know, AI, of course, being one of them. Uh, blockchain, eventually, around you know, smart contracts, and again, triggering payments. Yeah. Uh, XR. Are, are there things that for you that are really, really compelling and that you'd like to actually just see more of, or you'd like to see more adoption of? I, that's a wonderful question. Cause yeah, we get exposed to lots of different tech across the planet. And, the, and, and, and so I'm interested in all of those things that you mentioned and I'm trying to, you know, what I'm trying to pay attention to is, okay, you know, you, you've articulated a use case that creates value and that makes a lot of sense. Then there's the, how do you make it practical? How do you, how do you actually deliver on that? And so I think that there's this, this uh, gap between, you know, a lot of the things that AI and ML can do is based on having a ton of data that they can learn from the training sets and then, and then data that they can act on. And there, the, the, how, how do you get those training data sets? If every, if one, we don't do a great job as an industry of having accurate as builts. So how am I going to feed, you know, something that's accurate that is a, a, a data set that you can be, that you can rely on to generate, um, you know, dip, dip, uh, valid outcomes from. So if I have a building that isn't accurate, and then the AI is learning how to create new assemblies for this building that wasn't accurate, you know, you can't get to a um, uh, an accurate result there. So how do we get there? How do we fill this gap and create enough information that's accessible for those technologies um, to be able to leverage and and do what they do really well? Um, you know, I know it sounds totally self-serving, but I think that's one of the things that that manufacturing form design can do because we are creating little models of these construction assemblies and how they fit together. And they're all computational models. You can drive any configuration from them of them in the cloud, which means I could say, oh, let me generate 100,000 variations of this particular model that I could then drive through, um, a, a, you know, an, an ML or an AI algorithm to learn from it. Um, but I, I also directly captured the recipe. So that's also available. But then when I stitch all these things together, I have several different kinds of components coming together, whole volumetric, you know, the components they're in, how they stack together, how they fit on the site, how they go on the podium, all these other things. 
then you begin to be able to create enough data that 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 those systems can then learn from them. There's a ton of other really interesting applications of AI and ML. I just gave one, um, but but um, you know those are I think they're really compelling. But I, I think that we we the promise of machine learning and AI is is uh, you know we are a long ways before we will will realize that. I think. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we have it's the it's the garbage in, garbage out conundrum that you know you it's it. like we don't have the clean data. Uh, so before I let you go, uh, I'm going to ask you the question that I ask everyone, which is that if you could project yourself, you know, 20, 25 years into the future, and you could bring with you, you know, any service, any or any gadget that would just make you happy personally or make your life better in some way, what yeah. would it be, and what would it do? Wow. Uh... You know, I, 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 I don't, it's, it's tough thinking about what, what I would want going forward that makes my life better. I can tell you the things that make me happy. I'm, I'm a maker. I mean, you're for my intro. I like building things. Um, I, I would just love like a fully functioning workshop with every tool imaginable in it. So I could go make anything. Um, I, I, you know, right now I make furniture, I've made some guitars, I make surfboards, I make a bunch of other stuff. So, uh, you know, if I could spend my whole life just tinkering and making and building things, that would make me ecstatic. That's great. That's great. All right. So, and so you shall, you're going to have a, you know, a perfect (laughs) I'll take I'll I'll be on the lookout for that. Okay. All right. It's coming. It's coming. Appreciate it. I I really enjoyed speaking with you today. Thank you so much for joining us. You too. Thank you, Amy. 